1: The year is 2013. Online dating is becoming quite the rage. Vicky, a recent college grad, decides to give it a shot. She makes an account on OkCupid. She answers the long list of silly questions to build out her profile and actually enjoys doing it. Pretty soon, she connects with a woman we'll call Jessica. On their first date, Vicky and Jessica hit it off. They discover they have a lot in common— like how they both had gone to the University of Central Florida in Orlando, and how they're both figuring out how to jumpstart their careers. Vicki wants to be a teacher. Jessica, an audiologist. After just a month of dating, Vicky takes a chance.
0: I was like, you know, would you want to go on a trip with me? Just for like a weekend. And it was like, yeah, you know, yeah, let's do it.
1: The invitation is a test of sorts. Jessica passes with flying colors.
0: answered a a lot of different things for me, one being a a level of adventure, which I appreciate, and then means, which is important, like could she travel or or is it something that that she wouldn't be able to do? Because, you know, I was sort of planning this future of frequent travel, and I wanted someone who could work within that.
1: For Vicky, the successful getaway suggests... Maybe there's a future here. Maybe all of those silly okay cupid questions really actually work. The two women appear to be aligned in so many ways. Vicky has found her match, or so it seems. From the Boston Globe and PRX. This is Love Letters. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Mm-hmm. I know it goes without saying, but sustaining love and a healthy relationship requires compromise. It requires trust and plenty of open communication. Because no matter how much you might click with a potential partner, there will always be something that you don't quite see eye to eye on. Maybe that something is religion. Maybe it's kids. Sometimes it's money. For example, what happens when two people who come from very different wealth backgrounds and who have very different personal philosophies when it comes to money, get together. How do they make that work? How do they even talk about it? Today's story, Vicki's story, is all about that. It's about navigating differences and figuring out priorities, figuring out values. Vicky's story begins with a childhood in South Florida, Broward County, just north of Miami. Vicky's parents are both immigrants. Her dad is from Uruguay. Her mom, who she lives with, is from the Dominican Republic. Growing up, Vicky's mom is a massage therapist, but often works a second job as well. While her classmates come to school wearing the latest fashion trends, Vicky makes a habit of recycling old clothes to make new-looking outfits, and it works. And Vicki is not one to be too materialistic anyway. She feels like she has enough.
0: With my mom, she likes to say that she makes magic with money. And it, it's kind of true. And I came to realize that that she just likes to live minimally. So um, I'm still kind of uns- unsure where we, where we technically lie. But um, we had food on the table, a roof. Uh, you know, I eventually got a PlayStation. So I, I was pretty good growing up.
1: I like the idea of describing what kind of household you were with games, like, or cable, because in my single-parent household, we did not have cable for a very long time. But you're like, we were PlayStation level. <laughs> that, was, that was allowed. Still, PlayStation level only gets her so much. As a kid, Vicky is obsessed with martial arts. She would love to take classes, But with her mom's busy work schedule, that isn't really an option. So she turns to the next best thing, Blockbuster.
0: And I would go and like once a week get the next, you know, Jackie Chan movie. And movies allowed me to live in a world or have an experience that I wouldn't otherwise be able to get. So this was kind of me satisfying that need through movies and Jet Li and and Bruce Lee.
1: All those hours with Bruce, Jet, and Jackie inspire Vicki and lead her to her first true love film. She carries that passion with her all the way to Orlando, where she goes to college with the goal of one day making movies of her own. It's supposed to be an exciting time in Vicki's life. She's in the land of Disney World and Universal Studios, surrounded by thousands of new faces, pursuing her dream.
0: So I was in this new city. There was so much to do and see. But then college itself, you know, was both, like, invigorating and then kind of not.
1: The problem is that money, or the absence of it, makes life difficult.
0: I felt restricted because I didn't have a car like a lot of my friends did. And then I was surviving off of student loans. So even though I was there in this sort of world of possibility, I was home most of the time because I didn't really have the means to to go out.
1: I should note here that there's something else happening in Vicki's life at this time. You see, to rewind a bit, when Vicki was in high school, she'd met a girl who liked her a lot. They started dating. Things got pretty serious. But at some point, the relationship took a dark turn, and Vicki no longer felt safe with this person. She hoped that college would be an escape. But as she enters her third year of school, Vicky begins to feel like her past has caught up with her and is haunting her.
0: I started to kind of see her everywhere I went, and I was getting panic attacks from opening the door.
1: Vicky's anxiety becomes so intense that she begins to suffer from agoraphobia. She struggles to even leave her apartment.
0: So luckily, I was in a time where online classes became more available, so I was able to finish my degree. It's not like I had to totally drop out. But then I kind of was just focusing on healing that aspect because I knew the school deadline was coming, graduation was nearing, and I didn't want to live like that for the rest of my life.
1: Vicki never really gets the super fun college experience that many of her peers do. But while college is no social paradise, it does provide an opportunity for self-discovery. After her anxiety surfaces, she switches her major from film to sociology. What starts as a personal curiosity soon grows into an academic fascination.
0: It was kind of a way to to help me understand first some of the choices that I make and and, and why I ended up in the situation that that I ended up. Then as I was taking those classes, then I became really mesmerized by just the choices we all make and why we make them.
1: This new fascination helps Vicki find a sense of purpose and a new potential career.
0: And then I went further down that rabbit hole and I just became significantly more empathetic and wanted to kind of just meet more people and encourage them to do the things that they've always wanted to do. And, you know, I had a hard time doing that for myself. So I wanted to do that for other people and teaching just... Became the most obvious way to do that.
1: After graduation in 2013, Vicki moves back home and begins working toward this new goal, becoming a teacher. I want to talk about teaching and your perception of the money of it, because, like, we've been joking about how, as journalists, we hear that somebody's a teacher and we're like, oh, they're rolling in it. Like, they get great benefits. They get summers off, perhaps. They're probably going to get a pension. Like, especially as I get older and my friends have been teaching for 20 years as opposed to three years, I assume my teacher friends have, like, way more resources than I do. For other people, they hear teacher and they're like, oh, that's a poor person. So what did you think about teaching and, like, what it represented for the type of wealth life you would be living.
0: Yeah, so at this point, I'm getting a new perspective in regards to money and like, were we actually poor growing up? Was my mom just a minimalist? And I was realizing how you don't need as much as you think. Um, It just, you kind of need to know what it is you need and then figure out how much you need to make in order to satisfy those needs. I've never really been good at putting money at the forefront. So I was just like, I have a career, you know, I, I have a title and, and that's sort of what mattered most to me.
1: Teaching, Vicki believes, can provide her with a sense of stability that maybe Hollywood can't. It's a career that comes with respect, a steady paycheck, and a predictable schedule, including time off.
0: All I really wanted to do was travel. So I, I I made a lot of sacrifices to be able to do that. I don't really buy a lot of things, clothes or items. If people wanted to go out, you know, I'd kind of decline the offer. So so I, I kind of see money as just a thing that we obviously need. But, but I also think it's important to really figure out what it is that you value and, and, and make choices towards that. Because I, I I would see, you know, I would have friends that that would claim, like, they would love to go to Europe, but then couldn't resist the thing in front of them. And I always kind of wanted to set this example, like, look, you can be a teacher and you could also do these things. You don't have to feel like you're sacrificing.
1: Vicki, now in her early 20s, enters a phase of life that some of us call adulting It's a phase of new beginnings, of building a career, of forging your own path and choosing your own priorities. For Vicki, that means spending the least amount of money possible on anything material, and instead spending as much time and money as she can on experiences. After four years of feeling so restricted in college, Vicky's number one priority now is to see the world. And soon... She might just find someone to see it with. Her story continues after the break. Okay, we're back. So, it's 2013. Vicki is fresh out of college. She's back at home, and she's getting jobs as a substitute teacher in her hometown. And it's around this time that she makes an account on the website OKCupid, which leads her to Jessica. Jessica. If you remember from the beginning, Vicki and Jessica hit it off. They talk about how they'd both gone to the University of Central Florida. They realize they live close to one another.
0: Which is a big factor, because I got about a 35-minute cap when it comes to commuting for love.
1: <laughs> they discuss their hopes and dreams and career ambitions.
0: I was working towards becoming a teacher, and she was working towards becoming an audiologist. We were both on this path to, like, what our next actual ultimate step would be.
1: After a month of dating, they end up taking this trip. They go to Atlanta. It's your classic romantic getaway montage.
0: A day in the city doing all of the touristy, you know, Coca-Cola factory, the aquarium, things like that. And then we spent a day up in the mountains at one of the national parks where we stayed in the cabin. And... And, and we, you know, enjoyed each other's company. So
1: The trip is a major success. Vicki loves Jessica's sense of spontaneity and her ability to go with the flow, which is huge because Vicki is envisioning a future full of road tripping, jet setting, and adventure. Jessica seems like she'll fit right into those plans. Can you tell me what she thought of your plan to be a teacher? What were her thoughts on that in the beginning?
0: At first, it felt positive or well received. I think one aspect, just because it was a clear goal and, and it's a career, despite the you know numerical value of the salary, as well as the fact that her sister-in-law, who she loved dearly, uh, was an educator in another state, so it, it almost kind of like winning at first. It was kind of like, you know, we support teachers. <laughs>
1: Tell me when you started to notice differences in your economic situations and how you dealt with money and how much money you needed.
0: The clearest example I can think of when it comes to when it started to feel as though my salary was problematic was when we were looking into moving in together.
1: At this point, Vicki and Jessica have been dating for about a year. Vicki has just started her first full-time job teaching 12th grade English. She's making a starting teacher's salary, which isn't a whole lot. But to her, that's no big deal. Vicki only cares about one thing, stuffing money away to travel. She's never been one for frills anyway.
0: I drive a Chevy Spark. Everything I own to this day can fit in that Chevy Spark. So for me, I, I've just figured, you know, basics.
1: Going into their apartment hunt, Vicki assumes that she and Jessica are on a similar page. They've just spent the past year building this deep connection, largely through their shared love of travel. At one point, they even spent three weeks road tripping from Florida to California and back. But as they start their apartment search, Vicky notices that Jessica seems to want something different.
0: If I could pick one word to sum up the experience, I would say that it was more. Like she just needed or wanted more you know, more space. And then also with location. She wanted to be a a mixture of where she was familiar with, where she grew up. But it was a very expensive town and city. It just wasn't probable for, for what I was doing.
1: What was she doing for work and what kind of money situation had she come from?
0: So she came from... I think it's fair to say, uh, you know, an upper middle class. And by that time, she had dropped the audiology pursuit and started to pursue following in the footsteps of the family business.
1: Jessica's family has their own contracting business. And we should point out, her career shift means that her pockets are now a fair bit fuller than when she first started dating Vicky.
0: Like she would buy a, a newer car that was very expensive. And then she would be open and say that, you know, well, her salary just increased to cover the cost of the car. And it was like, that's kind of (laughs) cool, like, you know. But I figured it's just the built-in benefit of something like that. And since I don't have something like that, since I don't necessarily have a family business I can walk into, I have to kind of create my own, you know, standards.
1: Now, before we move on, I want to make something clear. First, it's okay to want nice things. It's okay to want a nice car. It's okay to want a comfortable and spacious place to live in a great location, like Jessica does. It's also okay to want something a little bit more simple and affordable, to prefer spending money on doing things instead of owning things, like Vicky. And it's possible for two partners to want different things and still make it work, I've been writing and thinking about love for many years. I've definitely seen healthy relationships between people who come from different backgrounds and who have different wants and needs. But to make it work, you have to talk. You have to be clear with each other about what your priorities are, what your constraints are, and what you're willing to give on. Those conversations are hard. I'm thinking about people around your age or people around my age who have trouble having honest conversations about this kind of thing in their 30s and 40s. Based on the timeline of this, you graduate college, you sort of get settled, you start dating about a year in, you're talking about moving in together, you're still in your early to mid-20s, right? So how many honest conversations were you having about the specific numbers, like what you were making, what your student loans were, what you were able to spend on an apartment. Like, did you have adult conversations as you went into this about what the budget needed to be?
0: It was very clear early on that we weren't going to be able to have those conversations. And then it became, as you suggested, kind of like beating around the bush, but then so far away from the bush that it's just like, what are we even talking about? (laughs) of the conversations that we had that solidified that we wouldn't really have conversations about money was when we were looking for a place and it was clearly outside of our means and I remember we were kind of having like those hypothetical conversations that couples like to have where it's like they're really trying to talk to each other but they don't know how to so it's kind of like well what if a doctor dates a a server Like, should the doctor pay more or should should it be 50-50, things like that. So she was very direct in the fact that it had to be 50-50. Interesting. Yeah, even though she made more and clearly had more flexibility, what was more important was paying half. Viggy
1: has a theory for why Jessica thought this way and why discussing their feelings was such a struggle.
0: It just always seems like an interesting thought that when you are sort of raised in this, you know, society where, where the expectation is kind of leaned into one sex more than the other, what do you do when you are the same sex? And... Like, there's no built-in assumption on, like, who is going to make more money.
1: The couple never gets around to having a direct conversation about their finances. But they do end up signing a lease. It's one of the nicest places that Vicki says she's ever lived.
0: Luckily or not, we were able to find a place that was, you know, pretty large and a great price. And it was also, like, right in the middle of both of our work so no one was inconvenienced financially or career-wise, and we settled on that, and we moved in together.
1: She and Jessica spend their evenings having dinner together, watching Netflix and playing Mario Kart. They attend Shabbat dinner at Jessica's parents' house every Friday. On weekends, they go to Vicki's dad's house to grill or hang by the pool. Vicky gets infused into Jessica's friend group, which she appreciates. And most importantly, the two spend a lot of time together just exploring and trying new things. In 2015, after the Supreme Court recognizes same sex marriage as a fundamental right nationwide, Vicky even considers proposing to Jessica. But does the beautiful apartment magically fix everything?
0: It was not the solution to all of our problems. Things kind of started to take a turn after that.
1: Vicky's anxiety eventually starts to pick back up. It takes a toll physically and mentally.
0: I was having a lot of digestion and gut-related issues that it was starting to impede on my work and, and also in the relationship because I was just feeling so unwell where it was like, I don't even want a hug.
1: At first, Vicky chalks these feelings up to her new job. Being a teacher is stressful, a young teacher especially so. But then something weird happens. Jessica takes a trip out of town, and Vicki stays home. And while Jessica's away, Vicki notices that her symptoms disappear.
0: It was like instant relief. And even now, just thinking back, it feels hard to comprehend, but it was, I think, just our inability to communicate at all, whether it was just money or or other needs. It was when I start to feel like I am in a space where I cannot say what it is that, that I'm thinking, but more often when I can see that the other person like wants to say something and can't, and it's just, we're both just like locked in these prison cells, it was eating me up. And then more often, it was just like, I felt as though I was constantly reminded of what I couldn't provide.
1: I'm wondering how the perception of your career and your salary changed over time. I mean, you talk about what you couldn't provide. I'm sure some of that was emotional, and a lot of it was the actual practical providing. How much did the difference in income start to where are the relationship? Like, what effect did it have and how was that noticed?
0: I think the best way that I can explain it, and and I hope that this makes sense, is that, so so for example, I don't drink. I I never really have, I've never been drunk. Like, I've pretty much been sober my whole life. So through that experience, I've seen how uncomfortable it makes people. No one would really say that it makes them uncomfortable, but it, it is so apparent in their behavior. It's it's apparent in and often the things that they say, like you know, are you sure you don't want another drink? My leaning uh, assumption here is that I's like I almost sort of become a mirror of their own behavior. So it's like if I'm not drinking, they're clocking their own behavior every time I just have a sip of water, and. And that's kind of how it felt with money. I think that, like, every time I didn't want to spend money, again, it was like a reflection of how much she did. And I think that that started to wear on us.
1: You're basically saying that in the absence of you spending or doing, this other person was feeling a judgment. And the implication, I think, is that there wasn't a judgment that you were like, if you want to go shopping for a day, like, go do your thing. My not doing it is not an indictment of you doing it. But is that true? Was there a part of you that was like, oh, my God, actually, that car is massive and you spent $600 and yet have credit card debt? Like, was there a part of you that did secretly or not so secretly judge the way she was living and her priorities.
0: Yeah, I I can't deny that I kind of had questionable, you know, or judgmental thoughts about it. But I do feel like it's important to say, like, I, I feel like I'm just a curious person. Like, I can see that and I'd be like, why do you have credit card debt? And often that's like an attack. And I don't understand why. And, and again, I can't deny that I'm also sort of solution-based. When I, when I see something like debt, I don't understand why it's there. I feel like it's possible to bring it to zero. I assume everybody wants to bring it to zero. So let's talk about it and find ways to bring it to zero. But no one really wants to have those conversations.
1: As you might have guessed, Vicki and Jessica never quite figure out how to reconcile their financial differences.
0: I was just clear on what my priorities were. It's kind of like, let's sacrifice a little bit more now so that we can travel the world. You know, like I I thought that that was like, I was selling the greatest package, (laughs) but then I guess the everyday sort of got in the way. I I think she just, she wanted both. She wanted the world in the summers and the world, you know, Monday through Friday.
1: Over time, Vicky's anxiety about not being able to provide Jessica with the world every day of the week, that anxiety eventually turns into a sense of shame.
0: Early in my career, I had realized that my salary kind of has a cap. And when I realized that, that I had to sort of, sort of plan for a future where this is about as much money that I will ever be able to make, that it would be a bad decision to dream of a bigger place, to dream of a house, because I would only just be hurting myself emotionally because it would be something I would never be able to attain. I I could see her wanting to plan a larger future and then that meant that I would have to sacrifice my career and pursue something that acquired more financially so that I could sort of make up for that. Like I would have to make the sacrifice, not her.
1: After three years together, Vicki and Jessica break up. And it's messy. It happens when they're out of town. They're at a hotel in Granby, Colorado, a popular ski town.
0: My best friend and her boyfriend are on the other side of the suite.
1: Everyone's packing up and getting ready to head out and visit another town in Colorado. Vicki's on cloud nine.
0: Like, this was my dream come true. It was like, I had someone, and then my best friend had someone, and we were like, finally, like, the two couples on vacationing together. And then
1: Jessica's phone rings.
0: She gets a call. She puts it on speaker. They're kind of having a a conversation. And she says something like, like, oh, I'm on this trip with Vicky, and, and then the person, I will never forget this, the person on the other line goes... I thought you broke up with her already. And it's like a (laughs) slow-mo and I turn and she panics and like hangs up the phone. And I sort of have this emotional outburst. And then I'm like, you know, are you fucking kidding me?
1: Like I told you, messy. I don't think I've ever heard of someone learning they're about to be dumped on speakerphone. Their relationship ends for good after that. Clearly, their problems went beyond money. And while the trip itself was horrific, I do think the breakup was probably for the best. When I first read Vicky's response to our call-out before the season, I expected to hear a story about two people from two different wealth backgrounds who couldn't make it work. And to some extent, that is what her story is about— But that's not really my main takeaway. Because I think that even if they were both making, let's just say, a million dollars a year, and they were both from huge wealth, it still might not have worked. Because Vicky wanted to spend all her money on travel. She's really happy living without other things to make the most of every experience outside of the house. Meanwhile, Jessica wants nice things. She wanted a beautiful home to be a focus, even if travel was on the agenda. Neither priority is bad. But are they compatible? I think that two people, even if they're good at difficult conversations, have to have a pretty big middle of their Venn diagram of shared values to survive the differences. Vicki's no longer in Florida. A few years ago, one of her students pushed her to practice what she preaches and follow her own dreams— She ended up quitting her job and joining a master's program to study filmmaking. She's living in LA now and working as a visual effects production assistant. She just wrapped on the TV show The Winchesters, a prequel to Supernatural. Vicki's dated a few times since Jessica, although she's still currently single. But no more dating apps. She'd rather meet someone in person. She still lives simply. She still saves to travel. Sometimes she worries about what a potential love interest might think about the fact that she's in her 30s and now making an hourly wage. The scars from her previous relationship haven't faded.
0: It's not that I think that people need to date their twins, but I, I think money is, is that aspect where it's just like, I just kind of want to be on a, on a similar page.
1: In the years since her breakup with Jessica, Vicky has tried to focus more on prioritizing herself and to remember how far she's come.
0: Like in the corner of my eye, there's a window. And outside that window is Los Angeles. And that was always a dream of mine. And I'm also working in a television show, which was also a dream of mine. So it's kind of like, anytime I feel doubt, I can literally look outside the window and know that it was all worth it.
1: Thank you so much, Vicki. Thank you, Meredith. Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe and PRX. Today's episode was produced by Jesse Remedios and Scott Hellman. Ned Porter does our audio mixing, sound design, and mastering. Devin Smith and Maddie Mortel do our audience engagement. Love Letters illustrations by Ashanti Davis. Check them out on the Love Letters Instagram. Special thanks to Linda Henry. Our music is from APM. And if you like the show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts. You can always send us a letter. We are an advice column to loveletters at boston.com. We're online at loveletters.show. This is more of a ridiculous question, but you have a 35-minute limit for Commute for Love. How is that going to work in L.A.? Like, what happens if somebody's like, I don't know, in Atwater or Los Feliz or in Santa Monica? Isn't everything an hour? What's the plan?
0: You know, I'm going to have to come back to that.
1: I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening.